lives Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no cotton down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh Betty and the Jets Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about turtles, pretty faces, prisoners, a few strangulation stories, how weird is that, and boobies. (laughs) Let's get on with the show. I was coming home from Europe, and in the galley, a friendly air marshal uh, and me and the other flight attendant had all been chatting, and uh, I mentioned that I did a podcast, I mentioned the name of the podcast, and then didn't think anything of it, and then we're doing the service and everything, and later on in the flight, uh, the air marshal was in the galley again, and uh, he had boots on and uh, jeans And uh, he just, while we were talking, just put one of his boots forward. And uh, I noticed it, and the other flight attendant in the galley noticed it, but we didn't say anything. I don't know, maybe he wanted us to compliment his shoes. So then, again, he puts his other foot forward, (laughs) and we're talking at the same time. And I go, okay, whatever. And then, again, he puts his boot forward. (laughs) And then uh, he said, look at my feet, look at my feet. He had listened to the podcast on the flight while we were doing the service. And he chose the one where I had just come back from Ecuador, where we had the blue-footed boobies, the birds, where if they're really healthy birds, their bright blue feet are extremely bright. And they do this kind of dance where they stick their feet out from side to side, which is kind of like, look at my feet, look at my feet. And I had all these guys say it. Look at my feet, look at my feet. (laughs) Look at my feet, look at my feet. (laughs) And then, uh, so he didn't really know that the dance of the feet go out side to side. So he was just showing me his feet. (laughs) Look at my feet, look at my feet. (laughs) Look at my feet. Look at my feet. (laughs) I took a quick, easy trip to Bonaire. I love Bonaire. I've been there a few times now, and I had um, points from a credit card, so I stayed for free. So uh, it was pretty almost no expense trip, (laughs) which is fantastic. Anyway, I was... uh, landing in Bonaire and I had taken Herman out to take a photo of landing in Bonaire and um, you know I used his suction cups to stick them to the window and uh, 
then, you know, I'm getting my stuff ready and everything. <laughs> I was getting ready to leave the plane, sitting in coach, and then I realized I had Herman still stuck to the window. Can you imagine trying to get him back or trying to explain him to get him back? You know, like calling, saying, um, I left a plastic toy turtle with suction cups stuck to the window at this row. Can I please get him back? (laughs) Thank goodness I spotted him on the window. Saved Herman again. So I was in a beverage cart doing a service and we had uh, two snacks. Peanuts and cookies. And I get to this one row and this guy sits there and I offer him a drink, and then I said, hey, what kind of snack do you want? And he said, no, I can't have any snacks. I said, oh, I'm so sorry. Why not? He said, oh, the doctor just told me I had celiac disease, so I can't have anything anymore. And he was so grumpy. And I said, oh, sir, well, the good news is I have celiac disease, and I'm 100% sure you can eat those peanuts. They're gluten-free. He was like, oh, really? I can have the peanuts? I said, yes, absolutely. (laughs) So I grabbed the peanuts, and I gave him three bags of peanuts and I swear he shoveled them all in his mouth all of them with his whole mouth full of peanuts he looked up at me and said you are the prettiest person with celiac disease I've ever seen (laughs) this girl was telling me a cute little story she was saying that um, sometimes she will say uh, yeah my nickname's could you and I was like it's what you know, could you? And I'm like, hmm. She goes, you know, I'll say to men, like, um, and I'll say it in a way like, could you lift this or could you fix this? And, you know, our nicknames, could you? I run into a lot where uh, flight attendants will say, well, I have a story, but you probably don't want to record it. And then they tell this great story. <laughs> she was like, oh, I think it's probably too long. Anyway, I'll tell you the story. Um, she said they had they were going on a short flight. They weren't supposed to do a service, and it was really bumpy. They were hitting major turbulence. And uh, we just had major turbulence on a flight I was on. And passengers uh, don't like to believe or don't want to believe that there's any danger. But there is. I mean, this was some severe turbulence. Everything in the galley came down like a whole cart of meals was on the floor. And um, later on, the guy, a guy, granted, he was in the middle of the cabin, so it might not have felt as bad as in the back of the cabin. But uh, quite a few of us were saying it was the worst turbulence we've had in years. And he says to me after it's done and I was up in the cabin picking up trash and he says, is it now still unsafe? But it's like air quotes, like, of course, it wasn't really unsafe. Is is it now safe to get up in the cabin? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to the story she was telling me. She said that uh, it was extremely bumpy, so much so this big kind of disheveled looking guy. She said he, he, he looked... It was a a very large man gets up during this severe turbulence and she's trying to tell him from the jump seat, sit down, sit down, you need to sit down. And he wouldn't. So she finally got out of her jump seat and started walking towards him the same time her purser, the flight attendant in charge, started walking from the front of the plane uh, to tell this guy he's got to sit down because he's going to hurt somebody else when he falls on them. So the purser gets to him first and he looks at her 
he picks her up like a bear hug and picks her up in the air, feet dangling. And she's got a look on her face. And this flight attendant's telling me, she's looking at her like, oh my God. And the purser says, call the cockpit. So she runs back to the back of the plane. She calls the cockpit. This is before 9-11. So the pilots could come out easier than they can now. So, you know, she basically said, you know, the, 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 there's a guy and he, he's got the purser in the air, feet dangling, you know, he's, he's going to hurt her. So the pilot comes out and he gets to the man and he lets the purser down. He picks up the pilot. So now the pilots, he's lifted him up. They decided he was on drugs and he had a lot of strength. So they had list, lifted the pilot up. The pilot's feet are dangling. He takes the pilot. He takes him up to the front of the plane and shoves him up against the closet and then starts strangling him. Now, this is not your average day at work. And um, so the pilot doesn't know what to do. He certainly wasn't expecting this. So he starts strang strangling the guy, too. So... Uh, he finally, I guess he strangled him enough that he finally let him go. They hurried up and landed the plane. Had, of course, the police met the flight. And um, the purser, so she was down. They actually, you know, had gone down the stairs and stuff. And she said he was starting to look normal, like uh, maybe whatever he was on was wearing off. And he was trying to say something to her. He was like reaching out and she thought he was going to apologize. And he goes to pick her up again. <laughs> I'm glad I don't have this guy in my flight. Well, I'll tell you, I'll take an ambient zombie or a stupid passenger over that kind of violent passenger any day. Okay, we were talking strangulation of of air crew. <laughs> so you had one too? Okay. All right. So yeah, so I was, we had a gentleman that um, kept wanting to have something to drink and he came back to the back and got a drink and he was fine yeah 10 minutes later he comes back and he was belligerent could barely speak oh. and asked for another drink i said no can't have anything else to drink and he goes well it's for my seatmate slurring his words went to the seatmate he had a full glass of white wine and i said and the guy said no i don't need anything so i said no you just need to sit down yeah. and, and that was it no more problems first break people were on first break i'm on second break so they come up and I say to yeah. the B, I said, okay, you, um, I told him about the person and she goes, okay, I watch them, you know, and they didn't have any trouble with them. Right. Then it's time for the breakfast service and we're going into Amsterdam and he um, comes up to the speaker and I rubbed himself up to her and said, I need a drink. And she goes, oh, I'm sorry, but we've already closed all the liquor and you, not, no drinks for you. You know, we're not having any drinks. And he got upset. And at this point in time, say, so we had an air marshal. Oh yeah, yeah. And and so he went and went and stood by the three right jump seat. And so the B said, you know what? Because this gentleman was sitting in 18B, and she said, I'm gonna I'm gonna work the front side of the car just so yeah. that you know. Well, sure enough, he goes up to first class and he's like, I want a drink, I want a drink, and she's like, No, get back here. You can't even go through that curtain. She sat him down and she said, I'm telling you right now, you get out of your seat again and you will be arrested when we land. Done with this, no more. So he sat down. We're I'm working the co-pilot side of the airplane. She's working the captain's side. And we're at row 35. And this gentleman comes up to her, the same guy, and goes, I want a drink. And she turned around and she said, I told you yeah. to sit down and... We're not going to talk about this anymore. You need to go take your seat, 
or like I told you before, you will be arrested when we land. And she turned around, and with that, he put his hands around her neck. Oh my God. And the gentleman sitting on the aisle, he was out of his seat. He, he was 75 years old. He had pulled him off of her. But Wait, the 75-year-old? Yes, yes. And he pulled her off of her, and at, within a half a second later, the family was at three right, came down the aisle, and he pulled him off of the guy who pulled him off of her, and had him on the ground, and he was in handcuffs within a split second. It's impressive. And he was arrested when we landed in Amsterdam. And he never got a drink. And he never got a drink. <laughs> And going with our strangle theme, it's not really a strangling, but uh, we were coming back from Europe and we had two prisoners and four marshals, not air marshals, federal marshals, um, nicely built kind of badass guys <laughs> with these two uh, Romanian prisoners. And I found this fascinating because I find so many things fascinating. Anything that's out of my norm, like somebody else's world, like this is the world they live in. It's normal to them. It's not normal to me. So I had a bunch of questions. And one of the guys was extremely handsome, extremely handsome badass. <laughs> so the guys, the prisoners were in chains and handcuffs. And um, this is another thing that falls under the category of, you passengers out there, you never have any idea what's going on on the flight. Like, I'd say maybe two people in the row in front of them might have noticed handcuffs, but the rest of the 300 people on the plane, no idea. No idea that there are some prisoners and some marshals. Okay, so before the rest of the passengers get on, every these guys, the prisoners and the marshals get on, and the prisoner has to go to the bathroom. So the one handsome badass uh, marshal takes him, you know, shows him where the bathroom is, keeps the door open, puts his boot up on the slide bustle on the door and says, uh, go ahead. And uh, the guy goes, I don't think I can. I can't because of the chains and the handcuffs. And he goes, well, you'll have to try. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's a different world. You know, we don't do that to our passengers. <laughs> So anyway, I started talking to him and I, I was I was sort of fascinated by like, what did these guys do? Um, what are you bringing them back for? And uh, they were uh, identity theft. So hackers. And uh, he says, oh, yeah. I said, well, do you do this a lot? Go to other countries and bring criminals back to the United States for prosecution. He said, yeah, you know, probably about a thousand a year, a thousand people a year they go and get. And like we were talking and basically these, these cyber theft people are probably in a basement in Romania. And uh, they never think that they're going to have to, you know, go to jail in the United States. It's like so far away and so far removed. But these marshals go there, get them, bring them back. And he was saying that a lot of times these prisoners have never stepped foot in the United States. So they commit a crime where the victims are in their U.S. And then so then they are extradited back, deported to the United States for prosecution. They, you know, go to court. If they get convicted, go to jail. And then he said this, which I thought was interesting. So after they've gone to jail in the U.S., the day they get out, they ship them straight on back. 
So they've been in the United States and never seen anything in the United States except for court and jail. It's a strange universe. Let the island life connect us. On Bonaire, I had gone to Te Amo Beach. I like that beach because it has a really good um, food truck called uh, Kite City. Oh my goodness, they have the best fish out of a truck on the beach, like tuna or barracuda. <laughs> so good. Anyway, it's a nice beach also. And I had uh, <laughs> I had faced this problem before. You know, I don't have a chair. You know, I like to have a chair. But this time what I did was, and this worked out very well, very economical, I bought a twin sheet set there, a cheap twin sheet set. So this way I could put that down uh, as the way, you know, my beach mat. <laughs> anyway, I'm putting my stuff out. I, my cheap sheet set beach mat. <laughs> it's hard to say. I'm putting rocks so that it doesn't blow. It's very windy in Bonaire. And so I'm getting all my stuff ready and somebody taps me on the back. And I was thinking, you know, I don't know anybody here. What's going on? So I quickly turn around and it was a crow. A crow had landed on my back. <laughs> Uh, one of the things that I really liked about Bonaire also is, I'm sure a lot of you know, if you're into snorkeling or diving, it's called the Diver's Paradise. And what's nice is there's all these different diving and snorkeling sites that you can just drive to so you don't have to take a boat and you just walk in. And so uh, I had rented a car and then I just put all the stuff in the car, you know, and get out my stuff. I'd, I'd hang my <laughs> rash guard, you know, my like swim shirt so you don't burn your back on the uh mirror of the car to dry when it was done. And it's kind of fun. You know, you, you, you park, sometimes nobody else around, you open the trunk. So you get your stuff out, you know, like your swim shirt and your GoPro. And then uh, I have like booties so that you can walk over rocks. So then you just walk over rocks, get in the water, and then there's this fantastic snorkeling. Kind of, I don't know, makes me feel like a badass. <laughs> <laughs> Look at me, I'm just walking over rocks by myself on an island and snorkeling. You know, but I don't know if there really is such a thing as a um, snorkeling badass. <laughs> I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind when you were going to go buy something on Amazon. You took the time to go to my website, BettyInTheSky.com. It doesn't cost you anything. It supports the show. And I like to see what people buy. This past month, somebody bought Palm Pets Reptile. I didn't see this coming. Cookie cutter set. There was a Palm Pets Reptile cookie cutter set. So like snake cookies. <laughs> uh, and then somebody bought Free People Fishnet Skinny in Black Black. And then somebody bought my book, Tar, the first book in the Tar collection. And they took the time to review it. That's so nice. It always just helps the more positive reviews you have. And somebody wrote, bought the book to support Betty, but never got a chance to start it till now. Who has the time to read? Well, it turns out I do. It had me riveted. Quick, easy read. Loved it. Oh, that was so nice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for going to my website, clicking through, buying things on Amazon. I thank you very much. I've got kind of a uh, strangling theme going on here. <laughs> That's a first for Betty and the Sky with the Suitcase, the Strangle episode. Uh, this uh, 
pretty senior flight attendant was telling me that just recently on one of her flights, uh, there was an Indian man who was upset that he didn't get his special meal. So he said he had ordered a special meal. The flight attendant was explaining, I'm sorry, but we don't have you as a special meal. She's apologizing. She's explaining, you know, that he could have a pasta, which is vegetarian. Basically, the same scenario we see a lot. And this man, the passenger, goes to strangle her. So he starts, he gets his his hands just about to her neck. The air marshal, who was sitting right there watching the whole thing, stands up, grabs his gun, hits him, pistol whips him across the head, just bam, out cold, cuffed him. <laughs> I'm sorry. But that's this like a uh, uh, flight attendant dream. <laughs> just somebody yelling at you for something you can't control. You're trying to be nice. They go to strangle you. I mean, that's, ex- you know, that's extreme. You-, you don't strangle somebody over a special meal. and uh, But to have the air marshal take out his gun, bam, knocked out cold. <laughs> you know, they must teach them. I I was trying to figure this out after she told me the story. So is it because he's so strong that he can knock him out like that? Or do they teach them like a special place you hit somebody that knocks him out? But fabulous story. What's the difference between a cockpit and a condom? I don't know. Well, the condom holds only one dick. Wait, say that again. Say say that part again. What's the difference between a cockpit and a condom? Yes. The condom holds only one dick. (laughs) (laughs) Who told you that joke? A pilot. (laughs) (laughs) There is a lady, she made a wedding ad on the newspaper, okay? Wedding ad? Yeah. And she wrote, I need somebody who doesn't beat me. I need somebody who doesn't go off and outside. I want them to stay most of the time with me at home. And I need somebody who's good at night. (laughs) So the next day, somebody knocked the door. She opened. It was an handicapped man. No hands, no legs sitting in a chair. She goes, can I help you? He goes, I came regarding the ad. She goes, what? He goes, you ask for somebody who doesn't beat you, I don't have hands. You ask for somebody who doesn't go off and outside, I don't have legs. And she goes, okay, how about the night? And he goes, how do you think I knocked the door? (laughs) (laughs) So in my book, Betty and the Jets, The Adventures of a Traveling Fool, I have a Bon Air chapter. And there was a story in that chapter that um, I, the first time I had gone to Klein Bon Air, it's a little island uh, off the coast of Bon Air. And uh, I'd taken a water taxi over there. And I'm a social person. So there were just a few of us on the boats, a couple couples from Europe, uh, two sisters from Florida, and a guy from Italy and me. So we arrived on Klein Bon Air. And it's this beautiful white sand deserted island. And I would say there were Other than our little boat group, there was another, I I would say there was not even with us 12 people on this deserted island. Okay, so um, the Italian guy says to me, hey, I heard there's a really strong current. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to walk around the island uh, 
pretty far and then get in the water and then drift back with the current. Do you want to come with me? And because I was slightly nervous about currents and being alone on a deserted island, I was like, okay. So we start walking and we barely had said any small talk. Uh, I'm walking barefoot. I didn't have uh, dive booties at the time because I had fins. So I'm walking barefoot and I had a broken toe. And so as we were walking, I was barely listening to him because I was concerned. At first we were walking on sand and then we were walking on like sharp coral and rocks. And I was worried about re-injuring my broken toe. So uh, he then turns around and says to me, we're on this beautiful island. I've never been on a deserted island. Kiss me. And I was thinking, huh? What? (laughs) Hello? And so, (laughs) and I was like, uh, no. And then then I'm getting worried too, because now we've walked down the beach and now I'm on a deserted island with maybe a possible Italian Lothario. Uh, So I was kind of like, didn't know what to say. And he goes, please, it's so beautiful. Just kiss me. And he leans in like he's going to kiss me up barely spoken to this man. And so I turned my cheek and he kissed me on the cheek. And then I guess he was frustrated with me. I guess that I wouldn't kiss him. So he starts walking faster and I'm trying to keep up and also worried about my toe. And so finally he gets in the water and then I get in the water and then he starts swimming upstream. The plan was to go with the current. And at one point he put his head up and he goes, I want to go swim upstream some more to see, I really want to see some sea turtles. And I'm thinking, all right. So now he's stronger than me and he's swimming up current fast and I'm struggling and he's way ahead of me. And I'm thinking, screw you, Mr. Kiss Me. (laughs) I'm going to kill myself trying to keep up with you. So I decided to turn around and go with the current, which is what we said we were going to do. So now I'm drifting with the current and I saw two turtles and it's beautiful. And uh, then I started getting a little nervous because I was like, huh, how far did we walk down the beach? And how far did we swim against the current? And how am I going to know when we get to the beach where the boat's supposed to pick us up later that afternoon. And what if I pass it? Because, you know, how can you tell? You know, it's hard to tell which beach. It's it's just a beach. Uh, So I tell myself, calm down, calm down. And I kept drifting with it. And luckily, I was able to tell because it's a bigger beach, um, which was the right beach. And I get back up there and I'm sitting in the shallow water in the sand. And finally, my Italian wannabe Romeo surfaces and he says he didn't see any turtles and uh, then he sits down uncomfortably too close to me and he said we are free and I was thinking uh okay and so I got up and said oh I need to go reapply my sunscreen because this guy's making me nervous and uh I didn't know what his ex he seemed to have expectations of me just because what just because I'm traveling alone and so uh On the taxi ride back, he invited me to dinner that night at an Italian restaurant, and I made a lame excuse. I basically said, oh, I had Italian food last night, which coincidentally was true. 
But you know, I was worried that if he thought a short walk, you know, meant a kiss, what in heck does a dinner mean? You know, I, I don't know. I'm not signing up for that. <laughs> so he never saw a turtle, and I did not have an affair in Bonaire. So that was the story from my Betty and the Jets book, The Adventures of a Traveling. Fool, and then this trip, I went back to Klein Bonaire. Uh, now, years later, and uh, boy, was it different. Uh, I try to caution people when people ask me for travel advice. I always caution them that every trip will be different. It'll be different depending on who you meet, um, what time of year it is. What the weather is like. So sure enough, here I am going back to what was my deserted island, <laughs> and now I guess when I was there before, I wasn't there in high season, and、uh, now it's high season, and there were one or two cruise ships docked there, and、um, I don't think they were ever there when I was there before, and they're not there every day, so I should have checked which day.、Uh, The cruise ships were there, but Bonaire has a population of about twenty thousand, and、uh, if there's two cruise ships there, that means that's like an extra eight thousand people. So that's like doubling their population. So that makes a big difference. And boy, did it make a big difference on Klein Bonaire. Just on the water taxi over, I certainly did not talk to everyone because. <laughs> There were like seventy-five of us.、Uh, they had to get two boats. One boat wasn't even enough because these were all the cruise ship people. And、uh, once we get over there, I was like, "Well, I certainly wouldn't be worried about trying to figure out which beach was the beach with the boats because <laughs> there were like five hundred people on the island. <laughs> so not deserted." And、um, The boats were going back and forth, back and forth, taking people back and forth, back and forth. That、uh, you would have no problem. You know, wondering which beach was the one where the boat was coming back to. Now, granted, I still had a lovely day on Klein Bonaire, but it's a different experience. And I'm not saying that cruise ships ruin a place because、uh, I was there all week, and that was the only time really it felt、uh, <clears throat> crowded. I'm not saying cruise ships ruin a place, but they certainly can make it different. Welcoming the ships that have come from far. Uh, I used to fly in charge. We have a whole bunch of names for it. It's changed over the years. Right now, it's purser,、um, and、uh, it really wasn't for me. And、uh, sometimes you have to recognize your own faults. And、uh, I was a little too serious when I was in charge, and I had what is possibly unrealistic expectations because I wanted everything to go so well, and I wanted all the flight attendants to have the same work. Worth, worth ethic, work ethic that I have, and that's not always the case, and you can't make it the case. So I decided that it was not best for me to be in charge because my expectations are quite possibly too high. So I have been a follower. <laughs> I have been an Indian. I have just been, and I'm very good at taking direction, and I'm very good at. Doing what people tell me to do, and I do so many other things with the podcast and writing and commuting. That it's better for me not to be in charge. And so there was a girl on a recent flight that was saying,、um, "Is we have a, what's called the leadership program?" And she said, "I'm in the followship program." And I was like, "I like that. I'm taking that. I am in the followship program." 
This came from a listener named Beth, and it's an article from some uh, Qantas flight attendants who reveal weird things they've seen passengers do. Well, yeah, I've seen a bunch of weird things too, but they had some that I hadn't heard of before. Uh, She said that there's a type of passenger that they call gimme, gimme, gimme travelers. (laughs) It's the passengers, if it's not bolted down, they will try to take it. And they said, with some passengers, if they see something is available, they want it, no matter what it is. This one's called a different kind of shade. One woman on a flight whispered to Melissa that she needed a sanitary napkin. But when Melissa returned and discreetly passed it to the passenger, the man in the next seat saw what was going on and asked for one too. I said quietly to him, Sir, it's a sanitary napkin. You don't need one of those. The passenger, however, was not about to be dissuaded. Whatever it is, I want one also right now, he demanded. So Melissa returned and passed over another sanitary napkin. Within moments, he unwrapped it, put his seat into recline, and put the pad across his his face as an eye shade. This happens all the time, Martin says. We do our best not to laugh as we walk through the cabin, seeing men with sanitary napkins across their eyes. They actually think that's what they're for. I've seen, I have used sanitary napkins on the airplane for so many things, but never as an eye shade. Another one is the hanging affair. Late on one trip with only a little over an hour until landing in Sydney, a passenger approached Martin in the galley and asked for a glass of water. We had a tray of refreshments out, so I said to him, sir, please help yourself to whatever you can find here, he says, and then I turned my back to stack up a trolley. It's funny because we don't call them a trolley, but that's okay. Actually, in London, they call flight attendants trolley dollies, which I think is rather cute. Okay, so the passenger, however, took Martin's comment a little too literally and began removing the galley curtains from the hooks. (laughs) I rushed over and asked him to stop, as this was part of the actual plane. But you said I could have whatever is in here and I could use these on our windows at home. Oh my goodness. Here's another one called Take a Seat. The end of any long flight is a frenzy of packing up passengers to get ready to land. On one trip, uh, Melissa couldn't help notice one woman's valiant efforts to shove a thick cushion of her seat into her carry-on bag. She's trying to take her seat cushion. I said, ma'am, you can't have that. It's part of the plane. And you'll need to sit on it for landing. (laughs) And then the flight attendant was trying to grab the cushion back out of the bag. And the woman responded, but you have so many of these on the plane. Surely you won't miss just one. I want it for my sofa. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) We were coming back from Europe, and there was a, I'd say, 87-year-old woman sitting in first class. And, uh, you know, she needed some help with um, the movies and stuff. Makes sense, you know once you're of a certain age, and uh, she had asked the purser um, to pick a movie for her, <laughs> which is always odd, you know, because it's like, how do you know what somebody's going to like? So she sort of went by the fact that she was 87, and the woman had said, uh, nothing too dirty. <laughs> so she picked uh, Mamma Mia 2 for her, and uh, started it for her and everything, and uh, later on, she stops her again, and she says, uh, 
hey, can you pick another movie for me, but this one with sound? So <laughs> she had watched the whole movie without sound, the musical without sound. And the reason why is she had her headset plugged into the electrical outlet. <laughs> Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye. Hey, kids, when you fly together, she'll tell you where she's been and tell you where she's going. You'll have some fun, so why not come along? So fasten for takeoff and the signal is strong Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen